All right, tonight we're going to speak on a sound mind, having a sound mind. So 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 is our theme verse tonight. In the King James, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and soundness of mind. Sound mind is from a root word taken from sozo, which is saved, added to friend, which means thinking. So it means your thinking saved. How many of you would say that's true about me? My thinking is saved. Or some of you go, no, my thinking's just like any other wretch. <laughs> my thinking is no good. Well, if that's the case, you've got to have a saved thinker. You've got to have saved thinking in there. Some of us would say that, you know, my head is not very saved. This is a verse. This is your promise. This is the theme telling you that you can live in a better thought life than you've been living. You can live in a better thought realm. You can think higher thoughts. And so we're going to look into this concept. I want you to think about something for a minute. I like what he contrasts here where he says power, love, and a sound mind. You know what makes your mind sound? It's foundational to your mind to have power. It's foundational to your mind to have love. You cannot have a sound mind without those two. I want you to think about it. I think about all the ways that our mind could go haywire. And I could sit here and go down all these crazy different ways. And there's just no end to it of talking about how everybody's computer up here sometimes has glitzes. That it sometimes just, it's literally, some of you are stuck in something where it constantly puts out the wrong thoughts. So everyone has a different set of battles with their thoughts. Completely a different set. So if I tried to hit one set, it wouldn't minister to the rest of you because you'd be saying, that's not what I struggle with. Everybody has something where their sound mind is in jeopardy. It's not working right. So I was thinking through it of thinking, what's the craziest people I've ever known? You know, I could put down a list of, oh, these are the crazy ones that I've known and give you stories. These would be people that have unsound minds. And we could have a great time tonight. We could have a great time tonight talking about all the insane people. You know, just putting our stories together of really how bizarre people can be. You know, the creepiest, craziest thoughts that you've ever had. Some of them that you've entertained. Of different types of scenarios that get us into traps. So I made my list of people that have been crazy. The ones that I would say they get the award for having been the craziest. Yes, some of them are college students. Some of them have had some of the craziest thoughts. And I was thinking about this young man uh, about a summer or two ago. And when you think you've heard everything, I was like, where did this come from? So people that come to deliverance, basically what they're doing is surrendering their crazy thoughts. They're literally laying them down before the Lord and saying, I want rid of that set of crazy. So me going over their crazy will not solve your crazy. Me just going over all the different things that we face in the world in general, clear down to the craziest thing I ever heard, won't get you free. But tonight we're going to talk about the good end of this, of receiving the gift that God's giving. He said, I haven't given you this, but I have given you this. That the gift that you can get tonight is a sound mind. 
And literally, there should not be any believer, any believing person, they should not have a mind that isn't saved, where your thinking isn't saved. Believers are supposed to have a sane mind. And so get your expectation up to, you're not going to have to live that way the rest of your life. Now, think about it. I said that these two things are foundational. I said power and love. So the first step to having a sane mind is power. You know what gets people where they don't have a sane mind? They feel powerless. Power. You have authority over your mind. You have authority over all the thoughts that go through your mind. You have mastery. I love that word, mastery. You have mastery over your thought life. Or let's put it this way. You have domain over your headspace. That you literally, right in between these two ears of yours, this is the first place you practice your authority. This is where God has given you the authority of the believer. And you must get it to work in these areas. You know, I was thinking when somebody grows up and they've been in church all their life and they've never been taught the authority of the believer, I guarantee you they don't have an understanding of their thought life. They don't have the, the ideal that they have to take their thoughts captive. They cannot have a completely sound mind without authority. There are whole churches that don't preach the authority of the believer. You know, I would love to hear one sermon on taking your thoughts captive. One sermon on what it means to think about what you're thinking about. One sermon on the power of your thought life. But if someone is powerless, they don't have a sound mind. They have a, let's fill in the blank, controlling mind. If you don't have authority in your thought life, then you're using control or you've just given up and you're passive. It's either side of the spectrum. The absence of power, which is authority, or the absence of the other side. He said, I've given you power and I've given you love. So one, the absence of power is not having the authority you need. The absence of love is not having the strength you need. Love gives you strength. Can you imagine if God was such a rational God and God did all these things for us, but you had no emotion to it? The beauty of the Lord is that there's love. That's the, the unique side of him that it's based on the fact that he connects to us in something that we can almost not express in words. So there's areas that you don't have a sound mind because you don't have power and love working together. So I want you to think about it for a minute. Do you think that most believers you know operate with a sound mind, that they honestly possess a sound mind? You know, usually when you're picking someone to help you out, you try to go to someone that's a hair sane. <laughs> you know, you want someone that possesses a sound mind. How do you think Christians' thought lives are? Do you think that they have this idea? I get shocked to think that there are Christians out there that have been in this walk for years and years and years and years, and they have never taken authority over their thoughts. They might even sit in this Bible study and still not do the work of it. They hear it. It's mental ascent. It makes sense to you, but it's not something you put in your life because you've got to do it when it hurts. You've got to do it when you're the most confused. You've got to be able to take one set of thoughts and exchange them. 
The next thing is the authority over the mind and then a mind that loves. You know, that, that doesn't make sense. You think, oh my goodness, how do you love with your mind? You know, we think of being in love when we think, oh, you love with your heart. But you don't think about your mind loving. Your mind just seems rational. But I want you to write down Mark 12, verse 30. And it says, you love God with your mind. So you have to examine your mind and say, does my mind mentally love God? You know, we ask ourselves, does our heart love God? Does our soul love God? But it tells you your mind can love, that you can love with your mind. I love that concept to think that love comes out of my mind. So you got to oil that mind down with love. You've got to get love functioning in your mind. Wherever love's not circulating in your mind, you don't have a sound mind. Wherever love's not penetrating, wherever power's not penetrating, those are areas that are in danger, that something's going to come loose, and you are not going to have a sound mind. So that oiling your mind down with love. You know, I was thinking, I talked to a World War II vet, and this has been a few years back, just as that window of time was closing when we were losing them at a rate of a thousand a day. But this vet said, okay, I'll interview with you. I'll give you an hour, you and your mom. But as soon as the Super Bowl comes on, no more. Well, we get with him, and four hours later, he is still pouring out his story. And he served in Japan. He did the March of Baton, and then he was transferred to Japan. And guess what had happened to him? He had hate for the Japanese like you cannot imagine. It permeated his being. In fact, they had to send undercover FBI agents on the streets of California with him because if he saw anyone Asian, they said he would start heading towards them with the nearest pipe to before anything he could find because his mind wasn't sane. It's a lack of sanity when your mind has been so damaged. That's what it says that in the last days that most people's love will grow cold and we're picking up pipes. <laughs> we're picking up two befores because we're losing the sanity that love brings to the mind. You know, I thought it was funny that the end of the guy's story was so unique. They didn't just keep him locked in a room away from Asians, but his wife actually felt called with him to go to Japan and build churches. And God appeared to him in a dream the night before and said, I'm not going to let you build a church until you forgive the Japanese people. That God was creating a sane mind in him. There's places where you've got unforgiveness, barred offenses, and it's causing you not to have sanity. I talked to someone today, and they don't have offenses here. They have borrowed offenses. They're picking up the offenses of every time something happens to their brother. And so it's offenses. It's something that you haven't forgiven in your mind. And that causes a lack, a moment, a thing to slip in with your sanity. And already I've watched two weekends her mind slip. And she's done something that she can't believe that she's done because of that relationship, because of the borrowed offense. And I see the enemy working on her sanity of her mind. It could cost her her kids. It could cost her a lot. 
your mind is kept by the power of love and literally by love and authority, it gives you that sound mind. Those two things are your keeping power over your mind. You know, I was thinking also Corey Tim Boone, same thing. Lord, I'll go anywhere and tell my story of what happened to me during World War II and all the Jews she saved and all that she went through. But the one place she won't go, not back to Germany. It's the sanity. You know, she dealt with the Lord. And so when she does obey the Lord and go into Germany, and she runs into the very guards that were over the prison camp that she and her sister were in, that her sister never came out of alive. What brought Corey Tim Boone to a soundness of mind was the ability that she retained love when it was trying to beat the love out of you. You know, she said, I went to the pits of hell. When you start seeing all the gas chambers and what they did to people, she said, there is a pit so deep full of hate. But she said, I found out that God's love is even deeper still. So you cannot allow love to be beat out of you. It's what holds your mind in place. You know, I'm going to use the Greek words, dunamis and agape, that you have to keep those two because someone who is selfish doesn't have love going on inside of them. They don't have that soundness of mind. Very selfish people, let's call them narcissistic, they don't have love. If they're narcissistic, they don't have love, and they don't have saneness of mind. If someone is loveless and selfish, then they have not a sound mind, but they have that controlling mind. If you are not being able to do it by the power of God and by love, you start controlling to get what you want. Selfish and powerless cannot give you a sane mind. Power and love, guess what they are? They're the two change elements. They're the two change agents. If you want to bring about change, it's power. If you want to bring about change, it's love. Those are the two things that have the ability to make changes. They affect changes. That's another whole Bible study. But the thought that you can change something, that gives you power. The ability. There is no one else that changes anything except by coercion, control, manipulation. Not with us Christians. We have the ability to change things by power and by love. So we're going to start where you are. Start where we are. Number one, if you have not a sound mind, but you're just a little crazy, just a tad crazy. You know, I was asking my friend this evening when I had a little time with her, I said, name me the craziest person you know. Well, she didn't have to think for a second. She goes, my ex. <laughs> That's on the crazy list. That's the narcissistic. You know, I was thinking about it. Of, uh, you know, a lot of times you're finding that there is somebody in your life that completely drives you crazy. I've known people and they're like a loon. And you ask yourself, can that kind of crazy even be fixed? You know, we were on the phone this afternoon with somebody. Literally, I had given up hope on this relationship because they had a certain kind of crazy about them. A certain kind of crazy that I wondered about it. I was like, who thinks like that? Who even has those kind of thoughts? And you're thinking, 
Who says those kind of things? Like, this is hopeless. Like, who could ever be married to that? But guess what happened? Who knows what took place? But this person has received a sound mind. I mean, a year ago, I heard what she was saying and what she was doing, and I was like, there is not a chance in the world for this. Like, we're just biding our time for this marriage. It's going to blow apart at any point. And guess who gave her the check mark that she had a sound mind? Steph. And you know she doesn't say all nice things about it. She said something's taking place. And her mind has come to sanity. Y'all, that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of what you deal with. You can go from being that little bit of crazy to receiving a sound mind. A sound mind can save a marriage. But number two, it might not be a little bit of crazy. It might be major crazy. You know, I volunteered for years in the prison. And a young person would get saved, and they'd have to start renewing their mind. And let me tell you, this is not just fictitious, but this was what I had dealt with of some of them that got legitimately saved, legitimately gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. You could tell they had been saved. Guess what? They had killed several people. So I was thinking about this. That's a very low level to start at, to start renewing your mind. So to have to start renewing your mind from that low of a level, of renewing your mind from murder, you know what I have in my past? I killed a few people. Be thankful because you're not starting that low. I think we could safely say, I don't think I've heard any of you in here tell me that that's what you've done. So you're a step up. So you're putting on your armor. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but a lot of times I put this verse on like I'm putting on armor. Like I put on power. I put power on. If God's not giving me fear, then he's giving me power. Then in the morning times, I tell myself, I'm putting on dunamis power. I'm putting it on like armor. It says I've been given that as a gift. I'm putting on love, and I'm putting on a sound mind. You can do a lot of things to make your mind sound. But look what people do. Instead of putting on love, putting on power, watch what they put on. I have fear. I have a spirit of fear. People own their fears. Is that not true? Ask people. Ask them to list their fears. They'll own their fears. They won't own the power they have. They won't own the love they have. They will list to you what they're afraid of. So I want you to do that. I want you to list your fears. Because that's what it says. God hadn't given you that list. He hadn't given you a spirit of fear. But he's given you power. What are you afraid of? Take off your fears. Put on the love. Put on the power. Put on the sound mind. Because the devil's plan for your mind is for it to go insane. Even if it goes insane for a split second. And we're living in times that people, bam, they're doing something they never thought they'd do. They literally snap. You know, Deuteronomy 28:34 is this verse. Don't think this is new. But it says, so you shall be driven mad 
because of the sight which your eyes see. And you will be driven insane by what your eyes behold. You know what that is? Your mind is cursed. The devil's plan for your life is to see something so terrible, so crazy that it makes your mind go off the rails, that it makes you insane. It literally is something that is planned for your life that is twisted to wreck your mind. A girl called me the other day, and she had had this happen to her, and it's hideous. Her story is hideous. She told me I can barely tell it to you. She began with text, and then she finally got her courage up where she could actually, she could actually speak the words of what she had seen. The devil had planned this moment, and when he planned it, he set it up for the person who loved this person the most to watch what happened to him. And it happened in a split second with misinformation and literally destroyed him. But not just for her eyes to see, for everyone else to see. You know, I'd worked on her a couple of years ago, and I tried to get her to walk with God. But the devil gave her reasons not to. I tried to get her months before to give up, sell out to God. Work with her on the rattle of the snake. Work with her on things that literally could have prevented this from happening. Literally from the power of shock that did this twisted thing to her. See, the devil got her under the mind curse when what God was offering her was the blessing. He was offering her the ability to never let your mind be taken over by insanity. Never let your mind have this come on you where it curses your mind. And one month before this happened, the Lord had me sitting next to her. I reached out to her. I tried to engage her. I tried to bring her into it. Because literally, to have the power to do something that could change something forever... And she was the point person in her family that could have completely turned this around. It's the insanity. This is not God doing it to you. This is not God. He is full of love, but the enemy is out there trying to give you something that wrecks your life and makes you go crazy by what you see, crazy by what you hear. But let me tell you, just like the enemy does the curse, God does a blessing in this area. And many times when you see something that you cannot believe that you're seeing, God will give you, bam, a gift of faith. And it makes no sense to you. Literally, you're seeing the worst thing happen. It makes no mental sense. Your mind is taking in all the facts and literally, something rises up in you and says, I'm not letting this stand. I have power. And you have a gift of faith that it's not going to go down the way that it looks like it's going to. And you can stop things that you never thought you could stop. You can turn them around in the spiritual realm. You literally have that power. I think of Mom's opening story in her book of uh, Psalm 91, where the lady sees the horror of horrors 
the uh, car seat on top of the car that someone had gone to the car and the mom had put her other kids in and forgot the baby in the car seat. Dallas traffic, making a curve. <laughs> I mean, you go home, tell your husband, I left my cell phone and he's angry on top of the car. I left my purse on top of the car, but there's no words to describe I left the baby on top of the car. And literally, a believing nurse used her authority and kept that from going down wrong. The kid just got a roller coaster ride out of it, was kicking their little feet. Not a thing happened. No car. Can you imagine if the baby had lived through being slung off and then another car hit it? And literally having the power to change things. It's the change element where you're given a spirit of faith for the moment. Your eyes are meant to see things that you can make a difference on. So if your eyes see it, it means you can change it. Otherwise, you can believe that the curse will never come on you and you will not see disaster. I will not see bewilderment. That is under the curse. It tells me it's under the curse and I won't see it. But my eyes will see the things I have the power to raise, the things that have the power to change, the things that have the power to heal. Your eyes are made to see that because you have a sound mind. It gives you a gift of faith. I bet every one of you could sit here and say, I remember when a gift of faith came on me for something, when there was no way possible for your friend. You know, I was thinking of when the bad report came in on my brother being born. When literally they're saying this would happen and you literally have something rise up and say, not on my watch. I remember what happened to me when I was smuggling Bibles. The first time when I was putting everybody's Bibles in my luggage, I felt nothing. I was just packing no fear. But when we were crossing through the inspection, I knew there wasn't a way to get across the inspection without one of the 240 of us getting caught. There's no way. I felt fear because one busted means all of us busted. Well, guess what the Lord did to me? Fear. I have a spirit of fear on me. I have a spirit of fear on me. I do not have a sound mind. I'm having visions of all my Texas buddies having to come over there and bust me out of a jail. I mean, literally, I'm thinking I'll be writing for the Reader's Digest. That There's no way I'm not going to be in a, a jail tonight. I'm thinking about what's going to happen to me. And you know what the Lord said? Sing. If you sing, I'll deliver you. <laughs> I was like, Lord, <laughs> let's go back and think about the jail again. <laughs> I couldn't think what was worse. Sing. I was in a group of people, leadership. I was like, oh. He said, if you'll sing, I'll deliver you. I sang. <laughs> I sang, let the peace of God have preeminence. Let the peace of God reign on you because I had no faith, and I was letting my sound mind return to me. It hurt everyone else's ears, but literally, we pulled down, let the peace of God have preeminence. And while we're singing, a man interrupts us. Pardon me, I'm so sorry. And they really do, they do the bowing, the humble bowing. Sorry, we don't wanna be an inconvenience to you. And we're like, we're in this song. He says, too many trains have come in. Will it impose upon you if we pass you through without inspection? I mean, we all just froze. Because what you're working with 
is your sanity of mind. You're working with the fact that you've got to have faith in a moment when it looks like disaster. When your mind is playing all the movie scenarios of what's going to go wrong, you change it over to, I've been given power. The power I was given is to sing. I've been given love. <laughs> the fact is, I only love God at that moment or I could not have done it. And a sound mind. God has fun with you. He hadn't heard me sing for him publicly. He made me where I can't sing, so I would make sure I would preach. So, sing. <laughs> then, the most ridiculous part of the trip was smuggling into the interior. That's where you're really in trouble. If you get caught there, it's, it's really in trouble. I had no fear there. I had a sound mind. You're going to have to sing your way to sanity. You're going to have to bring that soundness of mind in the way that is hardest for you. Don't tell me it isn't hard. That's how God's testing you. He literally will bring you to a point that you're willing to do something for him you wouldn't give to anyone else. And then he gave me a gift. Because our leadership, I thought they had a plan for these kind of things. They didn't. They were experimenting on us. It was all a theory and not a very good one at that. But it made it. All of them. Do you please the Lord with your thought life? I want you to rate yourself on your sound mind. Because we've talked about your fears. But can you hear God under pressure? Hearing God under pressure is so important. Is your mind sound under pressure? Even in the craziest, most difficult situations, I do not have a spirit of fear under pressure, <laughs> but power under pressure love under pressure, and a very stable mind. Because fear tears at the fabric of your sound mind. You know, if you have no handles on your mind, your mind's restless. Like, you can't concentrate. You know, we always laugh. We can tell when someone needs deliverance. Their mind is short-circuiting. It's going around and around. It's all over the place. If you can't tell your mind what to do and it obeys you, you haven't put handles on it with the Word of God. This is the beginning foundational thing that you've got to learn. You want to go to the mission field? You've got to learn to control your thought life because what you fear will come upon you. And the devil will give you plenty of reason to swallow something, to fear it and to land it. You have to have the ability to switch it. Sometimes you make stupid decisions. And we don't make stupid decisions with a sound mind. We make wisdom, wisdom with a sound mind. Sound against fear. You know, when fear gives you the crazy, when you're exposed to something that makes you feel crazy inside, think about this. Each of us have things in us that when we get around that, we feel crazy. It makes us spin, makes us manifest. You know, we've got a thousand words for it. Exposure makes us react. That's called being porous. We have some teachings on that we're porous to what's on the outside and not porous to the Lord. People are connected to someone who keeps their mind sane, keeps their mind sound. You might be in a relationship with someone or have someone that you consider spiritually strong for you because they keep your mind sound. But then something happens and you get disconnected from that person. And that's where it goes crazy because the enemy will see that your sound mind person gets away from you. 
it works at a little age as long as they're this age, five, because you never let them out of your sight. But it doesn't work with people who don't acquire the sound mind themselves. Like my sound mind is keeping your mind sound. If that's the case, and it's not a maturity issue of where you're going through the steps where you're age appropriate, you know, the fig tree with the three years, then you haven't received the gift of a sound mind yet. And this is what this is pointing out is you need the gift of a sound mind. Because what happens is a lot of times you'll get into a relationship with someone of a sound mind. I want you to realize with a spouse, you're telling yourself, I'm marrying that person's thought life. It's one thing you don't think of. You don't realize I am marrying that person's thought life. On top of that, you're marrying whatever strength that person has with their thought life. If this person, if they feel moody and they get moody, if this person feels fearful and they get fearful, if this person feels uh, whatever, you name it, angry, confused, frustrated, without an answer, if they feel it and they become it, then they have found no authority in their thought life. And so you're marrying that thought life. If that person has no plans, that they're passive, they, whatever they do, you are making a covenant relationship with their thought life and with their authority that they use on their thought life. There are no cheat sheets around it. Because what happens is when they feel love for you, then it's love. And you don't think it can change, but the day they don't feel love for you, then they don't love you. It's just that simple because they don't ever use their authority to make their feelings line up with God's word, to make their thoughts line up with God's word. They believe a false narrative. Their expectations get dashed. So what happens is you're making a relationship with someone's soundness of mind. If you date someone and they're not stable in their mind, you will find their freakout spots. They're unsound areas. They're bad decisions. And eventually, marriage gives you enough time to see those things play out. And you are trapped by what they do and they don't do unless you control or unless you do a lot of crying out to God for them, a lot of crying out. So the good news is God is offering you to get above your thought level. I don't care if you tell me. I'm of sane mind. Like, I'm able to literally take a situation and turn it around. That people come and God gives me wisdom for their life. Let me tell you, Isaiah 55, 9 is for you. God says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. I don't care how high up you are. You're not as high up as the Lord is. You don't carry the kind of wisdom that he carries. No matter how much you think God gives you wisdom for a person that you're working with, you need to take this scripture in. I want my mind to think higher, that I go to a higher level of thoughts, to apply yourself to complex matters. You know, you know, we've had this happen to us, that we'll all be at a restaurant, we'll all be talking, and the waiters will say, can I sit down and, and listen? Like, I've never heard anyone talk at this level. Like, who discusses these things? 
Like they're like, we don't know anyone your age that has conversations about these things and brings the Lord into it. That's called depth. That's called something that you're supposed to be doing, that you don't run away from complex matters. But there's a difference between depth, having those kind of conversations, versus pride. And this is the difference. Some people are like, Look at this. They throw their head a little bit back and they have pride in the depth of their mind. There's pride. And the pride is literally setting you up for foolishness. It's literally setting you up. If you have pride in your intellect, this is not what it's talking about. It will literally be your ruin. Because what will happen is, and I've heard people do this with me, they're proud of their crazy. They literally will sit there and tell me they're the most bizarre thought, how they're crazy, what makes them weird, and they literally bring to the table why they're pleased with it. I have that scenario around me right now. And two people live together in a family relationship, and they constantly complimented each other on their weird thoughts. They constantly complimented each other on their extremeness. And they made an invalid out of both parties because what they were doing was preparing a relationship between a parent and a child to never, ever grow up. They wanted to make sure they kept that child with them forever. So they complimented the weirdness about them. And to this day, watch this, because Dobson says that a parent's voice of discipline that the outward discipline a parent gives a child becomes the inward voice of discipline. So guess what happens? If your whole thing with your child is society manners and what looks good, people-pleasing, that becomes what their standards are inside, how it looks to other people. If your complimentary is on their intellect and how weird they are, how, how bizarre that is, and we live in our own little family bizarre world, then that's what becomes inside that person. It becomes their internal voice. It becomes what they live their life by. And you have sabotaged your kid. You have sabotaged them. You literally, what you're putting on the outside becomes their internal voice. And they will have to do a lot of work with the Word of God to get that out of them. Because without knowing it, it's become a source of pleasure. It'll become a source of pride. You know, we used to play this game of deep thoughts. We had real long road trips. So we would do deep thoughts. And it was fun. It was a funny game. But you can't go there in in your carnality, in the way that you think. You've got to say, I'm trading this, this intellect, because... You know, I'm amazed. Each one of you to me has a very unique computer God has given you, a very strong intellect. Like, I'll be amazed at you, and I'm like, you know how sometimes you look at your kid and go, gosh, that was smart. I look at y'all, and I admire you for that. I'm like, that that was clever. You see that, and you're pleased with it, but there's a world of difference between seeing something clever and getting into pride. And it's as far as the east is from the west, and as far as our thoughts are from his, to go from the pride to wisdom. And what you're trading off for, 
for that intellectual pride in your own thinking is the wisdom that God can give you. The wisdom you get is a gift from God. It's something that you get for asking God, God, give me wisdom for this. I humbly ask you, tell me what to do. I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I'm like a little child. And I'm leaning on you, God, and I'm asking you in this difficult situation, Lord, Psalm 131, that you will cause me to have what I need for wisdom for this. You may be intellectually smart, but don't give yourself a check too soon and tell yourself, I have a sound mind. Because it is completely a different subject when you've got the wisdom of God on you. And the wisdom is a gift God gives you. It's when it talks about, he gives you a word of wisdom. And that's what it is. It's a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. It's something for that moment. It's like that gift of faith. Don't sell yourself short and think you've got all you've got of God, all you need of God. I've heard people say, I've got all the Holy Spirit I need. How dare you? You should be filled and filled and filled and filled and filled and filled. That literally the Word of God just takes over you. Don't ever get smug in what you have. Because you'll trade, you'll trade what you could have with the Lord. So, if you were asking me, how am I doing on my sound mind? I'd say, well, uh, here's your daytime hours. Let's look at your nighttime hours. <laughs> Let's see if your sound mind holds up in your sleep. Because your willpower is not the same during the nighttime. So what's ever in you starts manifesting. Just like sleep resets the computer, sometimes, uh, you know, we get so exhausted we can't sleep straight. We can't think straight. (laughs) Maybe not sleep straight either. But anyway, you can't make your thoughts work. But let me say, you can have a sound mind even without sleep. We test it on the mission field. You're going to be going on three to four hours of sleep, and you cannot be grumpy. Wake up grumpy. (laughs) So before the mission field ever takes off, you have these knots that are pounding on you, that are ridiculous, that you don't think you can make it. And literally, it is a sign of can you have that sound mind when you're working on exhaustion. In your sleep, like we were talking about, are you tormented in your sleep? Are you delivered? Because it'll start showing up in your sleep, your torment and your fear. It's one way to test and to see how much deliverance has come because the things like to play at night. Soundness of mind. God giving you a disciplined mind. Oh, but let's not forget this one. Memory. Let's not forget memory. (laughs) What wipes out your memory? What takes your sound mind and uses an eraser on the dry board? You can have a loss of memory from shock where you lose control from unbridled fear, guilt. The web is descending on people. And with that web coming down is a loss of memory. If you have shock or fear or guilt or, or something that has replaced memory, then I would say repent. Because God has made you to have a fertile memory. You're receiving a life. You think that the older you get, 
you have to go into those stages of losing memory. But we're not talking about the elders of the memory. We're talking about the youngers. What about where you tell me, I just get test anxiety. I just get, it's what gives me test anxiety. Then you've told yourself, I've got a spirit of fear. And you're not telling yourself, I've got power, love, and a sound memory. That actually, I do better when tested. I perform well. The pressure's on, and I can perform. Because the power of God's here to make the difference. Daniel 120 is the verse I'm going to give you. They proved out 10 times smarter when they were tested. In every matter of wisdom and understanding which the king questioned them, he found them to be 10 times brighter, smarter than the rest of the witchcraft people, of the magicians, of the enchanters. They were smarter. They used their best stuff. But God had it where literally the soundness of mind showed through. And the king was so interested in it, it says that it was obvious to him the difference. You should be making an obvious difference. You shouldn't be using your excuses. Oh, here's my free pass for my mind. Please give me mercy for my mind. No. This is your area that you put power and love and soundness of mind. If your mind is not performing at full function and you have stuff from the past, what does the Lord offer you? Freedom from the past. Do you know what Isaiah 53 says? It says not only have your sins been forgiven and your iniquities, we always claim that, but your mental suffering, your mental pain, Literally, it has been paid for on the cross. I got the impression when I looked at it, he paid for his body, soul, and spirit. If we love God with our mind, he has paid for us the ability to have a free mind to do it with. I told you, I used to sometimes spend all night ministering to someone. And so I'd pray, Lord, help me on this test. And I did better on the test that I knew nothing about, praying about them, than I did the test that actually tested my my actual computer up there so you are supposed to do well when you're put to the test it is how god has made you it's how he made your memory so it becomes obvious to pagans it becomes obvious to non-believers are you pleasing the lord with your thought life so i would tell you one thing to make a note here One thing is that sometimes you can have just an extremely serious mindset. And if you're too serious all the time and you don't laugh, your problems are bigger than God in your perspective. There's got to be some times where you have a stable, healthy mind and you have some humor to it. That God will help you. You can think better sometimes clear with the humor. And all this lays a better ground for hearing the Lord when you have your thought life discipline. Can you tell me that you've got peace of mind? I'm not talking about peace of mind when things are peaceful. Inside your mind, think of the folds of your brain. Think of the layers of your brain. Are there peace on the layers? If there's not peace, let's say it's concerning, say your business, say something like that, then what you've got to bring is, okay, is this an indicator that I need to do something? Or do I need peace so I can hear something? 
Isaiah 26.3 is your beautiful verse. That God keeps you in perfect peace. In desperate situations, focus on Him and He will keep your mind in perfect peace. It can make you wise. You are not a victim of your thoughts. You are not a victim of your thoughts. If everybody was a victim of their thoughts, we would be just various degrees of crazy, powerless Christians. Oops, that may be what we are. That's what we're bringing to the table, that we literally are a victim to whatever our thoughts are. You're not a victim to your thoughts. If something is beating you over the head with a club, if it's condemnation, and if it's guilt, if it's shame, repent. Get the club out of the hands. You are not a victim to the thoughts. You have a voice. You have to find it. You have to find your voice. A victim without a voice is dangerous. They look for the cry of the victim. Abel's blood cried out. You literally have to find your voice to get rid of the victim. I like these words. I think Max Licato came up with this right here. You can exercise thought prevention, and you can exercise thought permission. Oh, if that's not true. You can exercise thought prevention. That means there's some thoughts that you prevent from coming into your head. A sound mind is guarded by the word. Other thoughts have to have permission. This is how it works. These thoughts have to have permission because it's whether they line up with God's word or not. Whether they line up with God's word is whether they have permission to stay in my head. So you have a guarding and you have a permission. Some people have never used prevention or permission with their thoughts. They thought they were just subject to whatever they thought. You know, the best thing that ever happened that you can be so relieved, you know what deliverance will do for you? The biggest relief you'll get is literally you tell yourself, I am so happy to know these thoughts aren't my thoughts. (laughs) That is your happiest moment to think, oh, those aren't my thoughts. They even come in first person. I thought that was me thinking that. I didn't realize that this was a spirit of fear saying these words in first person to me to give me ownership of them. The best relief, the biggest miracle, the breakthrough, the thing that can set your mind free is when you realize, oh, these aren't my thoughts. This is the spirit of fear's thoughts. My friend Norvelous Hayes, that old man, before there was a David Hogan, there was a Norvelous Hayes. And the guy was gruff. And of course he was. He was a demon caster out. Norval Hayes. And so literally, this guy, he said, one day God gave him a revelation of how to overcome the devil. He told God, wait just a minute. Wait just a minute, God. Let me get down a pen and paper because the next convention I'm preaching this. And so he dug around and God said, I'm fixing to give you the key to everything you've ever wanted to know about how to defeat the devil, how to overcome him. He got his pen and his paper. I was hanging on my seat. I was a junior in high school. I was about to learn the thing that was going to be the breakthrough for all the centuries. And so the Lord spoke to him, Norval, are you ready? I mean, with a name like Norval. He said, this is how you overcome the devil. The devil is stupid. And if you listen to him, he'll make you do stupid things. And he couldn't believe it. That was the breakthrough. And have I noticed that to be true? Every stupid 
stupid thought. When you act on what the devil tells you, it makes you do your big piece of stupid in your life. You know, we all have this big piece of stupid. And it started with the devil being stupid. And he tells us his stupid thoughts. And we do the stupid ideal he had. Talk to Eve. <laughs> stupid. You are a victim of your poor choices. But you can be so relieved that those crazy thoughts, those repetitive thoughts, are literally a demonic spirit because Satan has declared war on your mind. Satan has declared war against your mind. That's the unsoundness of mind listening to the wrong voice, believing something that is not true, and not knowing the truth makes you have that unsound mind. You recognize what is thoughts from the enemy? When Satan comes to negotiate with you, with his war on your mind, and Satan comes to negotiate, you have a plan worked out. So with Satan's war on your mind, what is your plan? What plan have you worked out? Don't tell me you don't have a plan. It's been happening for a long time. You've had time to think of a plan. Satan comes to negotiate with you, and you've got to have your plan worked out. The warfare is against your mind. What's your plan? What are you going to do? Eve should have had a plan. We went through it in Sunday school. She should have said, wait just a minute, let me ask God. It's that simple. God, what do you think about this? God, is that true? He's saying that you, you don't want us to be as wise as you, and yet we're made in your image. This makes no sense. That was a plan. Ask God. Oh, oh, my gosh, what that would have saved us. This could save your life if you have a plan. When you get tempted, just, just have a plan. Why do we forget to ask God? We've been walking with him in the cool of the day, having fellowship with him. But when it really counts, we forget to ask him and we ask our own mind. We ask our own thinking and we get stupid results. And we wonder why we get stupid results. A sound mind. Can you raise that level of soundness? I talked to someone today. They told me, I was pretty sound mind when I came to you. And for their level, they were sound. Sounder than most. In church, you may be seen as the most sanctimonious sound person around you of mind. And I know people that have sound minds. Cops, surgeons. Oh, you want a surgeon with a sound mind. You don't want him struggling with this secretly. <laughs> Pilots. <laughs> Wanting sound mind. And there's sound mind in the natural. But y'all, sometimes I see him fall apart like a $3 watch. <laughs> Blow apart when they're put into some kind of a spiritual vacuum. So let me give you a couple of verses. And as we finalize our journey to a sound mind. This is a promise for you to believe and to claim. I'm going to give you some promises right here as we take this home of what a sound mind looks like on you. I had to go ahead and, and capture the first two verses just because of what we're going through. But it talks about when a righteous king comes. Wow, good leadership. When a righteous king comes, behold, a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule in justice. You don't hear those words much in prophecy. It says that a king is only so good if his princes don't rule in justice as well. And when it says those words, that a righteous king will come, then in verse 4, notice what takes place. 
That's verse 1 and 2 of Isaiah 32, 1 and 2. Verse 4 says, Then the mind of the hasty will discern truth. Wow. The mind of the hasty will discern truth. And the heart of the rash shall understand knowledge. The fearful heart will discern the truth. Remember what I talked about? you got to love truth. Even if you've been hasty, fearful, literally where your heart is rash, impulsive, all those different things, the righteous king comes, the princes come with justice, and it's a time that will fall where your mind will discern truth in an instant. A person that usually makes a rash, quick decision will suddenly know the right thing to do. That's a promise for you to, to believe. First, we need the king in righteousness. <laughs> and secondly, that your mind can discern truth. Wisdom and truth. My mind is like, wow. At this point, it's like having that last piece of the puzzle. I never would have thought it, but God showed it to me. I never would have come up with that. This is wisdom. I never would have come up with it. And it worked like a puzzle fitting into the last slot. It just fits perfectly. Sometimes we wow ourselves. We were told when we have problems and we don't know the answer, pray in the Spirit. And you go from flat not knowing or you have a few great rational ideas and you go to an ideal that you're like, that's genius. That subtracts $11,000 off the figure. That literally, that makes it work. Take this off the equation. These are two things we're not supposed to do. Literally, that praying in the Spirit, it gives you that thing where you flip over into the mind of Christ. You get into looking at it the way He would do it. You can't do it apart from praying in the Spirit. Two verses above the mind of Christ says your mind, your rational mind will argue with it. It'll say, look, this sounds like jibber-jabbers. This makes no sense. This is foolishness. But it says, but as you pray, you'll start knowing the things freely given to you by God. That's how it begins. Freely given to you by God. It makes no sense. Why, of course, God likes to make fun of our own human understanding. He loves it to trump and to show us that the, like they say, the playground of God's mind is wiser than the wisest of men. And we're not tapping into it. And that gives us the mind of Christ. He reveals it to you. And then he gives you that clever edge. Where in Luke 16, 8, it says that the sons of this age are smarter than the sons of the kingdom. And this ought not be, that there should be a cleverness. You know, Watchman Nee said it this way, memory, or the power to remember, occupies a large space or a large place in ministry, larger than you would think. That what makes you good at ministry is your ability to be clever and to hold on to a quick memory. He says your best sermons come in a flash. And if you're not a good steward and you're not writing them down, you're letting go your best thoughts. Sometimes God will tell me what to do with a person and it's there and it's not. It's there and it, it, it disappears. Thoughts evaporate. You've got to seize them. You've got to grab them. 
you literally have to hold on to cleverness and memory to be successful in ministry. There are a lot of people that were clever enough to be good in ministry, but they didn't do this. They did not steward this part of the ministry. What's attractive about Martin? What is so attractive about Martin Benegas is how clever he is with evangelism. I've had him in Chiapas, the Philippines. He outsmarts them. That's what I told you today. Kaylee, you must be a good fisherman. Like, that's why men change the bait. That's why they try different times of day. That's why they fish in a storm and they fish in still water. That's what you're doing. We're fishing. And you're trying to bring people in that you've got to have the wisdom of a snake, the heart of a dove. You know, this is where we hit that level. If you can believe it, of a sound mind where things start making sense. One guy was accused of insanity because he had sold so far out to God that he was considered extreme. He made this point. He goes, if this is insanity, I'm actually enjoying my insanity because this is the point where God's thoughts start making sense to you. Don't be afraid to say it. There comes a point that you've so renewed your mind to the Word of God that you're Peter in the boat, and it starts making sense to you that you can walk on the water. When no one else thinks you can, you think that if God just tells you, if Jesus will just say, come, it makes sense to you this works. While everyone else is dropping a pebble over the edge to see if the water will hold up that pebble before they put their foot on water, It makes sense to you that God can have you walk on water. While everyone else is dispensationalist in the boat that think it has all passed away or it's only for God, you step out. A sound mind according to the Word of God. This is where it gets fun. It gets into sanctified reasoning. It gets into logical faith. Truth starts making more sense than error. Your doubts start being hard to believe. It's easier to trust God than to not. You've literally crossed some kind of edge where you've seen so much of the power of God and experienced so much of the love of God. The best thing you can give Him is trust. It's easy for you while all your friends you're trying to bring in, they're still like doubts. Everything's so big to them. Like it's, it's so horrendous for them to make that step. And truth is, it's beginning to get fun for you. It's logical to do it God's way. That literally, it activates your faith. Trust. It makes more sense to you to trust God than not. This is when you've hit a sound mind. Amen.